You and your husband founded Cinevis. What does the business do exactly and what services do you provide? So we founded Cinevis in 10, this is our 11th year running. Yeah. So we, we provide professional services uh, for cybersecurity. Yeah. And when I say professional services, we do solution implementation and consulting services around the risk management and cybersecurity, um, how to handle that, how to manage it. And so basically helping organizations be as safe as they can be. Also wanted to ask you, you know, there's been this boom now with cybersecurity, but you've always been in technical positions. How did you find yourself becoming involved in cybersecurity and why do you think that it's important? Okay, so cybersecurity, it's a very vague term. Okay, and it, it can mean anything to everybody basically okay so it, it can it applies right from my help at home up to the ceo of a fortune 100 or the fortune top five companies maybe but it, it will mean very differently for all those different kind of people now yes i started my career into core technology technology uh, stuff okay so I, I started my career in the network operating center of a an internet service provider back in india and uh, then I kind of started getting exposed into all the different devices that were hosted in the data center and just being a curious mind, I used to keep asking, okay, what does this box do and what does that box do? So it kind of started from there because as a fresh graduate, it, it was all black box or a blue box to me. And yeah. then I kind of started asking more about from the, all these different seniors and experts who were in the team at the time. And then I kind of moved into a solution deployment. So rollout of information technology solutions. And that's when I was more or less formally introduced into the whole aspect of, yes, you need to do it, but you need to do it in a secure way. And these are the X, Y, Z reasons. Yeah. From a technical perspective, why you need to do that. So that was like my first introduction into the whole, back then it was called information security. So that, that kind of took me into the journey of security. And then I joined one of the largest multinational banks when I moved to Dubai in uh, about early 2009. There was this opening where they wanted someone to have a technical understanding and also basically a view of risk management and uh, basically roll out their third party risk governance program. And when I say third party risk governance, what it means is basically as an organization, we depend on a lot of different suppliers, different, you have a big supply chain essentially. Yeah. yeah? And as part of that, you would give them with access to your facilities, access to your information, access to your customer information. Yeah. And because I was working at a bank back then, it had whole whole gamut of supply chain. So there would be credit card print, printers, credit card delivery people, whole lot of stuff. Yeah. So they wanted to roll out a program where someone would go and look at the security of these supply chain mm -hmm. within the supply chain and see that, okay, what could be my weakest link? Or for example, the party who is, or the courier company that is sending my courier card, uh, credit cards to my customers, are they handling it safely? Uh, or do they know that you should only give it to Priyanka if it's Priyanka's card and not to Priyanka's cousin, for example? Yeah. yeah. So there's a whole lot of things. Are they doing awareness stuff? So because a lot, because today you'll see that because especially the large organizations, they have come a long way in terms of securing their internal systems, right? So now uh, the so-called bad guys, they have to find a, an open door or a window 
or a ventilator, yeah. whatever you can find, right? A keyhole. So they're all <laughs> keyhole for yeah, for that matter. They are all, always on the look of who is connected to whom, mm -hmm. and then how can you then enter into the keyhole and then maybe get into the door and then yeah. step to the next room and on on so on and so forth, right? And today you'll see that everything, pretty much everything in our house is connected. You yeah. can manage your food, you can manage your air conditioner. Everything is on your smartphone, yeah. basically. <laughs> so that just kind of increases the whole, it is fascinating and in a good way and in a bad way as well. Because you're like, oh yes, I can switch off my AC from, from whatever in the world. Yeah. But that, it means that someone else could do that as well. So that was my kind of journey into core of cybersecurity and more from moving into the technical aspect of cybersecurity into more of a management side of things. Mm. Why do you think that cybersecurity for even people who aren't big corporates, just in our personal lives, why do you think it's so important? Okay, on a personal level, right? So if you think of ourselves or our families, the first thing we do is check our smartphones, check our emails, and, and we have a wonderful Wi-Fi at our homes, at our hotels, wherever we are staying. And then we have kids who are doing a whole lot of online schooling over the last couple of years. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely increasing. So cybersecurity at a personal level is very important because one, as a user, we need to make sure that we are, um, we are one, aware of the fundamental or the basic things that we should, uh, the good habits that we should have, the good practices. Yeah. And second, especially for the kids, because they, uh, they can be a target, they're an easy target, yeah? Because I've got a, nine-year-old and a six-year-old every other day they would find a new game and say mama i want to install it but then you don't necessarily know what's behind that game it could be a good game or it could be that it's just a way to download a malware on your device mm. and once something bad is on one of the devices in your home network and then boom, your home is under someone else's control and then we have parents and the kids working together the parents if, if i talk of my home i've got a lot of sensitive information on my device yeah i'm sure I, I, I would not want to do that yeah and then everyone pretty much nowadays transact or with their bank using their phones and then we have all these touch ids and everything on our phone so yeah. if i have a bad guy within the device and then, then that's all you need basically and your home network is not as safe as you would want your privacy is gone yeah when you think about it that way because obviously it's such a contentious topic going around in europe especially right now and around the world so i think it's very interesting to discuss what is cybersecurity exactly and why is everyone so scared of it because i know for myself i've thought i'm not really too bothered if google has my passwords because i'm not hiding anything i don't have any you know government secrets so to say so it's very interesting when you even think about it from that that perspective just the home network as well and you know your banking information is on your phone your biometrics and that is sensitive information that we want should want to keep private as well yes it's just for at a personal level it's to do with your privacy and then definitely that you don't fall to all the different fraudulent ads and lovely stuff that you have because I've got a lot of friends who often fell, fall prey because we all love online shopping and there's a yeah. new online shopping site every other day. Yeah, and all they need is just one, one order from you and then boom, they're into your bank account. Also, online shopping has exploded. So how do you know if it's a reputable site or not? If it's 
maybe just a new pop-up store that's come up or something you know just a new store established yeah so i think it it becomes slightly difficult for a normal user especially in the age where you have a lot of like you said the pop-up shops and facebook shop or sort or the instagram marketplace and stuff like that they they are a very good way of doing business mm. if i from a business perspective but if i think from a normal user perspective that's kind of the weakness that the bad guys try to take advantage of so there are a couple of basic things that we should do before like just going ahead and placing an order on on any of these marketplaces or pop-up shops or whatever link you get that facebook page or the instagram marketplace it gives you like a link to the website then instead of going through that link i would say that go to google and search that search about that and go through that link yeah one is that and or open it as a separate window not from your instagram or or from your facebook it's convenient but it's just a small um, like another spend another minute and be safer than being sorry later yeah so that's one basic thing you could do then again on facebook and stuff do look for the reviews on as many social media as you can do some basic uh, hygiene check on those uh, portals or the places that you're uh, going to order for then i think once you've done some basic level of due diligence you should be okay and always start with a small order don't go with a big order yeah don't go with the $1000 spend <laughs> Oh yes, definitely not. And if there's like a WhatsApp number or there's a contact number on that, uh, always try to validate by contact. Have it. That's actually there. such a good tip. I would have never even thought of just going, just trying to call or WhatsApp them and say, "Hey, how do we?" You know, just ask a random question, just get some response. Yeah. It's actually yes. a really good tactic. So ask them about some of the basic stuff. And so if it's a yeah. legitimate shop, then they would have thought that yeah, if my order goes wrong, how will I handle it? I know that. You yourself and Heidi who have previously had on the podcast are very vocal about getting more women involved in cybersecurity and how companies can recruit more so just want to ask why do you think it's also important to have more women in the field of cybersecurity and what kind of tips do you have to encourage more women to come into the cybersecurity space for that i think the number one driver of cybersecurity is digital transformation every other business is going digital right you'll see even the big shops they're closing their physical shops and going online and as women we are the number one users of technology because we just don't have enough time people say that is dominated yeah. by women yeah. Yes. So the consumer market is dominated by women because yes, one we have our own likes and dislikes, and we have got our family. I want to shop for my husband and my mom and dad and whoever else in in the whole world, right? So that's one. So being the primary users of it, I think we understand how it affects and how it impacts. So we are very clever in times in terms of seeing the risks and understanding how it may impact the user so one is that and second is because inherently i think we women come with like a woman is a mother or not but we mm -hmm. have that instinct we sense risk first yeah yeah so from that perspective we we have a sense that okay these are the places that where i can be cheated on where someone can get harmed so we say that okay so the first point is identify where you can go wrong or where you can get hurt so if you put that analogy into the whole world of digital transformation that that just does wonders and this is something that i have i actually live and dream with that's my daily life yeah so because when i started my career some 16 17 years ago i've always started as the only woman in the team and now i see that you have more and more women in the team 
and and it does make a difference because then you have got the male side of their thoughts and mm. then you've got the female side of the thoughts and then when you put them together it causes wonders that's one of the reasons yeah that balances everything out and it's not like eh who will use that mm. <laughs> because maybe you've not thought of that but yes yeah. because the way i see technology versus how my husband sees the technology is very different <laughs> he just sees the functional stuff like boom 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 it works and i'm like no but how do i find that link it's not easy to use so i see all of that different stuff the ease of use if it's storing my password if it's doing all of these different things was the target so i i see a whole lot of the other stuff that probably my husband would look at if even if we are working on the same solution and if we scale that to the larger organizations it's it's just magic really and for women who want to come into cybersecurity what tips do you have for them how they can sort of break into that field okay number one tip even if you don't know computers go for it because the world of cybersecurity is huge you have legal you lawyers are welcome because there's a whole lot of cybersecurity regulations and laws that i would not understand as someone coming from a management or a technical background so we need a whole lot of good cybersecurity lawyers we need good insurance people who understand the world of insurance and how to manage that we know we need a good good amount of people who are very good at talking good with their words good with their writing because i think one of the key things in cybersecurity is being able to relay the message if i cannot tell you what i mean then as a user what on earth are you going to do because you'll be like okay i don't i don't care what you're saying or i don't understand so you need whole lot of like if even if you're good with marketing stuff do try because you can make a difference you can help pass on the message why cybersecurity is important if you're a good communications person if you're a good lawyer good insurance it's not just technology because i think that's a very wrong notion people have mm-hmm. that cybersecurity means that you need to be like a coding pro or a technology pro and what not yeah. you know i've not seen a black screen for at least like 7 8 years which is like 50% of my career i've not logged into a server and tried to do any coding yes i can if i need to but i don't need to so what do you do in your position at at synvenes at synvenes okay so i had the consulting and the risk management vertical within our organization which means that i work with the c levels of the organization and the sizes of the organization so which is chief information security officers so we help them basically identify risk the cybersecurity risks within for example the digital transformation program or their operational environment in terms of if i look at the cybersecurity core part i i look after the risk management aspects of it mm-hmm. so our clients when they are about to launch a new product or about to engage a new uh, vendor so that that's a bit so we we do a lot of these things how to do these things safely So that's that's my um, kind of role so to make sure that my team is able to guide our clients how to do things safely. And how do you think businesses or what do you think businesses can do to encourage more women to come into their kind of cybersecurity teams? Okay, so a couple of things that I practice and I, I think that's something that I have seen working within organizations is one is the flexible working mechanism, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh because especially i mean when you're young you just have to deal with yourself so life is easier <laughs> yeah and exactly what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but as you grow in your life and you have partners and you think about your family and you get married and, and then have kids, your life starts becoming more and more complex and you have people yeah. depending on you for a lot of different things. Yeah. And, and definitely your social circle also increases whether you get married and family or not. Yeah. But as you grow in your career, your social circle increases and, and definitely all, all those take up time. So as women, we always prefer to have flexible time. I don't want to say that, yes, I will wash laundry at seven o'clock in the morning. I want to have the flexibility to wash it whenever in the day I want or I can. So that, that applies as well to the work. So definitely flexible working. And the other thing is, not putting your subconscious bias because as men or as as a society i think a lot of people think that oh she cannot work in at night because she'll have to take care of her family or she would not be able to she would not want to do it i think that's that's what they think but then you have to give chance to ask the person whether they can or they want to yeah so that's and and that was i think one of the biggest challenges today because a lot of people think that women would not want to do certain things mm. instead of asking them would you want to do them yeah? yeah and second is if you have got talented women in the team existing in the team give them a chance and talk to them whenever you have a new requirement or say a more senior role coming up talk to them and see if they would want to try maybe they will not get it but at least it will give them the opportunity to understand what next should should they do to get there mm. yeah because we see almost like a plateau coming up for women uh, after like a mid level uh, if i like that, like in the within a hierarchy within a mid level job job kind of thing but we see like a real need for women in the leadership roles yeah yeah so we need to one let the women talk to give let them know, yes, there's flexibility in terms of how you work and what you work. And third, push them to try for the new things. And I think as women, we have to improve in certain areas also. Because one of the key things that, and, and this is something I've learned the hard way as well, is when we look at the job description, we first see that how much of it we have done already. And if out of 10 requirements, we only meet, let's say we have only done six of them and not done four of them. Yeah. So we'll say, oh, yeah, maybe I will not qualify because I've not done four of them. Yeah. Yeah. But whereas you'll see CVs of like hundreds of men who have got, who only take maybe the two of the requirements. Yeah. And they've not done eight Sometimes of them. Sometimes not even any. Working in recruitment, I've seen so many CVs that just so many have been the position. No one knows so better than you. I, just, I understand. And I think I agree with you. More women should just shoot their shot. You don't know what's going to happen. Shoot the shot. Yes, exactly. Because if I look at all the things and the way my career has progressed, I've always done things that I have never done. Mm. I started my first job and I was the first person in the network operation center uh, doing a night shift. Yes. And I had a big argument with the HR. The HR one day came back and told me at nine o'clock at night, you should not be in the office. The rule says girls should be out of office at seven. I'm like, well, you should change the rule because I'm an Indian and I'm not a girl. (laughs) And and that complaint is still in the records of that organization, but I don't give a shit because I think that was the right thing to do. Yeah, that was the right thing to do. Yes. So, and, and it changed a lot of things for a lot of girls who came after me. So you see yes. now girls doing the shifts and stuff. 
And then here in the UAE, when I came back in 2009 and I was trying, applying for a lot of jobs, one of the organizations told me, you have all the knowledge that we need, but we need women, we need someone who can be available at any point in time of the day. I said, yes, I can be. Yeah. No. But then they were not telling me on the face that we don't think because they are a woman. <laughs> but I mean, but, but you, you can make, you can sense what they're trying to say. That yeah. oh, you'll have family commitment. So they're trying to go about the world. I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to work for you then. Yeah. <laughs> my, my irritation with that is the stigma that it's always up to the woman to think about the family. What about the father? Do, do fathers not have children? <laughs> they do and they do look after them they do look after them because i see a lot of men struggling with the fact that they don't have yeah. enough time to look after the family yeah so i agree with the businesses must change the gender bias because why they have men are available any time in the day but not women just because the women have the family responsibility the men have the same responsibility yeah so give them the break as well yeah <laughs> Everyone needs the break. Give them the break. And then just uh, don't decide for don't decide for someone. So women on one hand are said that oh they will not be available. So that's one bias. And second is the men should always be available. I'm like, neither of that is right. Yeah, it's not fair on either side. No, yes, but for as coming back to our point, as women, you have to give it a shot. Give it a shot. There has to be a growth, a scope of growth in the next role you're applying for. Yeah. If you met 100% of all the requirements, don't apply for it. Simple because there's no growth. No growth. And you'll probably be, if, if you're applying just to get out of your current role, then there's no point because you'll be stuck in the same role. And I want to ask you a question I ask everyone who comes onto the platform is, what does feminine leadership mean to you? Feminine leadership to me is bringing a mix of emotions mm-hmm. to what does our head says. So connecting the head, the heart and the head is what feminine leadership is. I love that. Because we yeah. always consider, we always think of how what we are doing is going to impact everyone else. Whereas men in most cases, they just think from the head. Mm. And, and this is not generalizing anyone. Yes, I've seen uh, men as well who, t- who take uh, emotions into consideration. But I think it's a very prominent trait in feminine leadership, the heart and the together and we're just going to move into a segment that i like to call the abcs of your career so a what was your affluent aha moment hmm. affluent aha moment oh. okay so this was uh, an unexpected appreciation on one of the customer calls because we all went in thinking we will be shouted at and yes we were shouted at but then midway through that it was just a random appreciation coming in that, yes, all of you guys are doing that, but look at Priyanka, the difference she makes on this program. No one else, none of us, our internal teams can do that. And I'm like, well, you were just shouting at me for not doing nothing. <laughs> so that was like a good thing. Like at the end of the call, yes, it was a stressful call, but then that small moment of appreciation that yes, you recognize that we are putting that effort. That was mm-hmm. a very... Good thing. So I'm talking about a customer who has got like a very bad reputation of not even acknowledging that you're doing your job, let alone doing it, doing a good job. Well, that's really wonderful. Uh, positive affirmations, always a winner. And B, 
B, what was your business blunder turned to blessing? Okay, so the business blunder that I did was I had to lose a 4 million tender, a business opportunity to learn that the way I was doing things is not right. Lesson learned. (laughs) I'm so prepared. Yes, I, I don't think I was well prepared for that pitch. I think uh, that now I make sure that it doesn't matter whether it's a big, big pitch or a small pitch. I always make sure that the work is done. And this was early on when I joined the business and because I had transformed from like someone doing a fine job to someone Mm -hmm. coming into business because doing business as a whole, you're like doing everything under the sun. So I was just struggling to get get my head around everything. So that was very big. I would say the biggest blunder so far. And see, what was a cinematic cock-up moment? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I'm quite famous for that. I just, uh, sometimes I'm just thinking in my head and then words just come out of my mouth. But I, <laughs> I think the one um, moment I can, I cannot forget, I think. It's not, I, I can remember, but it's not something I cannot forget. And... Once I was, and this is way back, uh, like quite early in my career. And my team back then had, so the, it was a team of like 10 engineers. And then I was mm. the uh, manager. Yeah. And then one day, I, I cannot share what they did, but it was something massive that they messed up. Yeah. And then I, I just came out of the management meeting and I was like furious on my head. Yeah. And uh, because I was too young as well at the time, I, I, I mean, I was still learning to manage, control my emotions as well. I think yeah. part of it was that. And then I called the entire team that come into the meeting room. I need to talk to you. And I was furious and fuming at the same time. And um, I just started telling them and shouting at the team and saying, oh, no, you, how can you be so irresponsible and stuff? And I was so angry that I actually <laughs> forgot what did they do wrong. <laughs> And they're like, okay, no, Priyanka, I understand you're upset, but what what exactly did they say that we did wrong? And I'm like, how can I say? Hold on a moment. Let me find out again. <laughs> then I'll come back and shout at you. <laughs> no, I had to actually open my laptop, look at the minutes of the meeting and said, this is what he did. And you know what? They all started laughing. And I mean, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> So it was like, a, it was supposed to be a bad moment, but I don't know what happened in my mind. And it just, memory loss. I'm sure that a lot of us have been there before. It's, you're so, so angry and then you're already in the moment and then you think back, why am I angry? <laughs> yes, exactly. Why am I angry? And that was a good learning for me as well as an individual. Mm. So now when every time there is an issue, and there's always an issue. I try to make sure that I always start with the problem statement and not kind of mix everything up so that and, and make a fool of myself. Uh, so we're going to come to what's the end of the interview now, which I call the quick fires, which is a quick fire questions. So just oh. the first thing that comes to your mind. So morning or evening? Uh, morning. Coffee or tea? Coffee. One thing in your daily routine or ritual that you couldn't live without? Breakfast. Mm -hmm. Two books that changed your life? 
Or that you highly uh, recommend? Okay, so two books that changed my life is um, one is Leading from the Middle. So because it talks about how without having a manager or a team lead title, you can still lead and you can help those not not below, but those are still new as compared to what your role is. Yeah. yeah? And you can also help uh, with your inputs and feedbacks and stuff with your towards your senior management so that it helps them also gain a sight of what's happening on the ground and also kind of help them maybe make a decision because uh, yes, even senior management, they have their own moments where they have ideas in their mind, but they don't necessarily fully understand one, the impact of uh, their decision or two, what, uh, what could work, what could not work. So definitely, I mean, if you can channel your knowledge and energy towards both sides of your uh, hierarchy, then that would, uh, that can definitely add a lot of value to that. Yeah. And the other bit is uh, more on a personal uh, level. Yeah. The rich dad, poor dad. Okay. And I think someone, someone very young should definitely read that. Uh, and I, I read that not, not too far away, I think maybe four or five years ago. Okay. And it changed the whole perspective of how I could have been more richer, honestly. <laughs> My money has been sitting in the bank. I think it, it just makes uh, more sense at a personal level. And it gives a good insight on both at a personal level and as, at a business level as well on how you can actually rotate your limited amount of resources. And it's just not just money. Although the book is more about money, but you can kind of uh, use that analogy to all the different aspects and resources that you have and how you can get the most out of it. And the final question, three people that you would invite to a dinner party, dead or alive? Okay, dead or alive. One, my husband, so he can cook the food. <laughs> <laughs> You have to have the okay. chef. That's a good thought, actually. I would have never have even thought about that. <laughs> okay. And uh, second is my close friend, Dr. Reem, because she's very funny. She's one of our co-founders of Women in Cybersecurity from Kuwait. Uh, she's funny and very knowledgeable. So every interaction is, uh, you leave smiling and then you've learned something new from her. And the third person would be, oh, well, hang on, there's a lot of people that I wanted to invite. But I think the third person would be my best friend, Pooja, because then I can just talk about anything nonsense under the sun and then she would have an advice for me. I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Priyanka, for taking the time to sit with me and have this interview. I really appreciate it. Hopefully we encourage some more blooming cybersecurity enthusiasts from more, I mean, women in cybersecurity enthusiasts to come into the space. Yes, no, and I think the girls these days, they are more adventurous. I think they are more accepting of the fact that, yes, we can give it a try. You don't always have to succeed. I mean, yeah. definitely no one succeeds 100% of the time. So I think girls are becoming more accepting of the fact and uh, especially some of the countries, especially within the Gulf. So South, for example, Saudi Arabia is leading it's leading the pack, I think, with a number of different opportunities and education programs specifically for cybersecurity, women in cybersecurity. So I think as we see a lot of these things coming up and as we bring, create more platforms for women to come forward, I think in time... Uh, we'll see the balance kind of meet up. Thank you so much again. I hope you have a great day. 
<laughs> no, no, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing the good job because your channel, uh, I've seen, uh, watched all those things and you focus on some very, very important topics oh, that are very good as well. Thank you.